Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. There are people that come to know the Lord and they stop doing a lot of stuff. When you come to the Lord, everybody here, when you got saved, depending on how wild and reckless you were living before you got saved, there are things that the Holy Spirit will immediately immediately begin to clean up in our lives. Amen? Things that you can no longer can go there, no longer gonna be with them, no longer gonna participate in that, won't be consuming any more of those. The Lord will put some things in our lives and that's, that's kind of the way it begins, but that can't be all. After we find Christ, He washes us clean, but it can be hard to let go of all the baggage that we were carrying with us. In today's message, Pastor Bill wants you to know that you shouldn't feel ashamed of your past mistakes and should use them as a tool to draw even closer to God. He wants to hear all of your troubles and make you a fresh creation through His free gift of grace. Turn away from the sin that was holding you back and begin the journey of letting God mold you into His image. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Judges chapter 10 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. The cycle of the book of Judges is that the people of God, they'll have a time where things are going well, they're, they're, they're living in peace, they'll be quiet for 20, 30, 40 years, and then somewhere in that time of peace and safety and goodness, they fall into idolatry and they begin to worship idols. The Lord in his displeasure will send enemies, the enemies of God, nations that don't love the people of God, God will, God will remove his hand from his people and allow them to be taken advantage of, taken into captivity. They're being disciplined by other nations pretty much. And it it takes different lengths of time before they finally cry out to God. Sometimes 10 years, sometimes 40 years, but eventually they're broken in in the place that they're in and they cry out to God. And every time they cry out, God has responded by sending a judge. Judge does the, the book of judges, the word judge does not mean a judicial judge. The judge is a deliverer. It's somebody that is raised up by God to come and deliver them from their oppressors and the Lord delivers them. And so today with Abimelech, can you guys remember he got killed? A woman dropped a stone on his head and he got killed. And so uh, we pick up in chapter 10, verse one. And it says, after Abimelech, there arose to save Israel, Tola, the son of Pua, uh, yeah, the son of Pua, the son of Dodo, <laughs> <laughs> a man of Issachar, and he dwelt in Shamir in the mountains of Ephraim. Now, this one's kind of interesting. Um, the, the name Tola means worm. And you know, I was looking at that. I, I want to say this about him first off. You'll notice that this man, he served as a judge for 23 years, but there's only two verses on his life. And I was comparing him to Samson. Samson judged Israel for 20 years, so three years less than this guy. And there's four whole chapters devoted to Samson, 13, 14, 15. And I was I sat on that for a while. I was like, man, that's, I, you know, now Samson wasn't even a great guy. You know, we'll get to him in a few chapters, you know. Uh, but as I looked at his life and this is what I really felt like. And I'm going to share it because that's what I feel like the Lord put on my heart as I was looking at it and going like, why is there only two verses? It, all it tells us about this guy. We're going to know his name. We're going to know his dad's name is Dodo. Um, that he's a man of Ishakar, that he dwelt in Shamir in the mountains of Ephraim, and we know he died after judging for 23 years. That's it. And after 23 years of judging, there wasn't anything to say about the years that he judged. The Holy Spirit didn't have anything else to say 
about him other than that he, he lived 23 years. He judged 23 years. This was a dad's name. This is where he was from. This is where he lived. And he died. Boom. That's it. End of story. Nothing else to say. And I was thinking, well, Samson, there was a whole lot the Holy Spirit had to tell us about him. Some good and some bad. But there was something to say. There was something about his life that was, there were lessons to be learned. The Bible says in the New Testament, in Corinthians, it says, these things are written for your admonition and your learning. So the reason why God recounts some of these stories of the Old Testament is that we would learn from them. And sometimes we're learning from the positives. Sometimes we're learning from the negatives. And so when I look at this guy, Tola, and his life ending after 23 years of judging and there being nothing that the Holy Spirit had to say, nothing, not good. Not, I don't get a bad lesson. I don't get a good lesson. I don't get anything from his life. This is what I would challenge us about. And this is just in the way of application. We'll move on. Uh, let me go ahead and read the two verses real quick about his life. After Abimelech there rose uh, to save in Israel, to save Israel, Tola, the son of Pua, his dad, the son of Dodo, a man of Ishakar, uh, and he dwelt in Shemir in the mountains of Ephraim. He judged Israel 23 years and he died and was buried in Shemir. That is it. And then we move on to someone else named Jair. And so I, this is what I thought of, that there are people that come to know the Lord and they stop doing a lot of stuff. When you come to the Lord, everybody here, when you got saved, depending on how wild and reckless you were living before you got saved, there are things that the Holy Spirit will immediately, immediately begin to clean up in our lives. Amen. Things that you can no longer can go there, no longer be with them, no longer going to participate in that, won't be consuming any more of those. The Lord will put some things in our lives. And that's that's kind of the way it begins. But that can't be all. And for some Christians, that's it. Their their experience in Christ is I got saved because I got saved. I don't do any of those things anymore. And they never really move beyond what they don't do to the reason why God called us from a life of reckless living and drunkenness and partying is so that we can be sober minded and serve him. It's always God calls us from something for for a greater purpose. I call you from that so that you can do this. And so for some people, they never jump that bridge. They never move from what they were called from. I used to be living like that, all wild and crazy and doing this stuff. Now I'm saved. I do nothing. Now I went to high school with Dre and we used to rap in high school. We didn't. I, I didn't know the Lord. I don't really know if he knew the Lord or not. I don't think he did. He thinks he did. But uh, either way. Right. We used to rap at lunchtime. We would do, you know, I represented in the Crips and there was people that did blood crip battle rapping. But we did assemblies at school. We did, you know, they, they let us get on the PA a couple times. You know, I don't know how that got messed up, but, you know, we would do this. We would get up and do that. Now, I would have a problem because I knew him back then. I would have an issue of knowing him back then, knowing when it wasn't really for the Lord, how far out he was willing to go. I would have an issue of now in Christ. It was like, hey, bro, you should do something for, for fathers. That, oh, nah, you know, it's too, too many people, man. I don't want, you know, I would have an issue with that. Um, that, that's not the case. You know, that's why I brought it up. You know, he was he was glad to come and share uh, what the Lord had given him. Um, but some people get saved and then that's it. Now, it's, they never they never they never move from after the Lord cleans a cup. They never let him fill it and pour it out and bless anybody else with it. And so that's what I think. That's what I think of Tola, his life. That's just nothing. Just zero. And I, I challenge everybody here before we move on. Just consider your life. What will be left? Right. You died right now. Because people say a lot of nice things at funerals that ain't true. But what could people truly, it's true. What could people truly say about you? What would be left behind? What would be left behind? What would people say about you? What did you leave behind? What, 
What would the Holy Spirit comment upon your life? Look at the Holy Spirit and say, man, he did that. He messed up right there. But he did, I mean, it could be positive, it could be negative, but what would be said? What is left behind? What is there? Is there anything that someone can take hold of and be helped by and be benefited from? And again, as I look at this, I think, wow, there's another 23 years of service. Nothing. Holy Spirit is out of words. Nothing else to say about him. I just that caught me. And I, I, you know, I could be maybe maybe there was great things that the Holy Spirit decided not to put, you know, but there's just nothing. I'm just so told off. Sorry, brother. You know, we'll talk about it when I get there. But. Nothing said, you know, just left right there. So I do challenge and encourage us in a godly way. Consider your life. Consider that God has called us away from a reckless, empty life to a life of that we might be of pure mind, pure heart to be able to serve him. There's, there's a reason God cleans us up to use us for his glory. He doesn't just clean us up to sit us on a shelf and let us look clean. And, you know, that's how the Pharisees, you know, you, you, you get a guy that's just glad about what he doesn't do. And he'll look at everybody that's doing what he doesn't do and he feels better than them. And you become spiritually prideful and arrogant. Um, but you put your hand to the plow and begin to serve the Lord has a way of humbling you because you're living in a place where you can't do anything without God's help. The things that you're called to do, you can't do them. God will continue to call you beyond what you're able to do in your own strength that you be dependent upon him. Uh, it'll make you an effective person, but a humble person because you'll be dependent upon the Lord. And um, that those are much healthier Christians. Those are mo- those people end up being much more helpful in the body of Christ. Then the brother or sister that's sitting on the shelf looking down their nose at someone that, oh, I don't, you went to that movie? <laughs> I don't go to those kinds of movies, you know. Um, <laughs> careful about that, you know, just careful. That's just, no, no one's helped by that at all. All right, moving on. Look at verse, uh, <laughs> verse three. Now we look at the second person. After him arose Jair. Uh, the name Jair, if you look it up, it means enlightener. And we, we get a little bit about his life, uh, not really good. It says, uh, he judged Israel. I'm sorry. Um, after him, Jair, a Gileadite, and he judged Israel 22 years. Now he had 30 sons who rode on 30 donkeys. They also had 30 towns, which are called Havath Jair to this to this day when this was written, which are in the land of Gilead. And Jair died and was buried in, Can- in Canaan. Now, um, from Jair, he had 30 kids, 30 children, and they said they rode on 30 donkeys, and they, all, they each had their own area that they were, you know, over. So we know that he was rich, but how do you get 30 kids that are able to all reign, you know, in, in a lifetime, right? How, how do you get 30 kids? Anybody want to take a gander at how you might get, ain't just one woman popping out 30 kids. So um, these are multiple kids put out by multiple women, and so you can have you know, a bunch of kids around the same, you know, same age bracket and whatnot. So um, 30 boys, you know, so he had 30 sons. Uh, we don't, he doesn't name, he had daughters in the midst of all that, but he had 30 sons and says they rode on 30 donkeys. Now that may not sound like much to us, but in that culture, a donkey was, that was a premier vehicle to get around town in. And so um, it, it, it says that you were wealthy. Everybody didn't have, you know, everybody didn't have a donkey per son. Um, 30 donkeys. Um, it said they, they also had 30 towns. So each son had his own donkey in his own town that he was, whether he was overseeing it or, 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 or dealing with it or whatever. And it says uh, the place is called Havath Jair to this day, um, which are in the land of Gilead. And Jair died and was buried in Canaan. Now, Canaan. Now, think about this with his life. All that the Holy Spirit had to say about him is he had a whole bunch of kids. 
So he was a, you know, he, he was a polygamist. Um, they were wealthy. His kids had donkeys and they had their own areas and he died. Um, and again, that, that, that's how some people's lives are going to look when it's over with. Hey, he, had, he had a lot of kids. He had a lot of money. He had a lot of stuff. Then he died. Everything about his life was for who? For himself. Don't live a life like that. Don't live a life where it's just because I'm reading this and I'm thinking, I, I don't want to be that. I'm reading of Gideon and God, through Gideon, God did great things and exploits. And Gideon had to suffer through his battle through his own unbelief and everything else. But eventually through faith in God and trust in the Lord, God would use him to deliver um, different ones. Deborah, you know, who was a prophetess and the Lord was speaking through her and moving through her to challenge Barak. To, Come on, dude, get going. Um, these people were doing something, you know, forward progressive that God wanted to, God was involved in. But I read this guy, Tola, nothing. Jair, he made a bunch of babies with a bunch of women. They all had money and they had, they had a town. So him and his kids did well. Good job. That's it. So now I'm a challenge because that's, that sounds like the American dream, right? My kids will have nice cars in their own city. For some people, that's like, what's wrong with that? That's exactly what I'm aiming for. Um, and I'm, I'm going I'm to shoot your star down. Now, if you get that in the, in, the, in the midst of pursuing the will of God, praise the Lord for your donkey in your town. Um, but that can't be the goal. the goal. The goal for our kids cannot be get you some stuff, get you a place and get you some. That's, that can't be the, the end all. That can't be in, in America. That's what success looks like. What is a person? You, you got your own car. You got a house. Man, you made it. You made it. We say people say things like that, but you want you. Some people say, when, you know, you got your bucket in your apartment. You're on your way. You get your house and your, you get your house and your new car. Well, you made it now. You're there. You know what I mean? And in the society in which we live, that's that's it. That, those are the goals that people are planning their whole life around having things that the Bible says are going to perish. The Bible says it's all going to burn. You can't love a car or a house. I hope I hope y'all don't love cars and houses. You can enjoy a car, drive a car, use a car, get a good car if you can't afford to. So you ain't broke down on the side of the road all the time and have a house if you can have a house. But don't love it. Love God. Love, love God's people. Love, love doing the will of God. Let that be the, the goal. Because here's the deal. When we die and we go to heaven, um, presuming that we're all believers, if that's where we're going to go. If you're not, you got bigger issues, right? But we die and go to heaven. When I die, today I die. What's going to happen to all the stuff that I leave behind? I mean, my kids can they can they can hopefully there's something left for them and they can that's my scrap and that's your scrap. You know, hopefully that's that's about it. That's it. That's but there's there's the potential for every believer to to live his life, her life in such a way that we have send it up ahead that we're living for not for this life, but we're living for eternity. And we live with that in mind. And Jesus taught his disciples, he said, look, don't store up your treasures on earth where moth and dust corrupt and where thieves break in and steal. He said, but store it in heaven where moth and dust does not corrupt and where thieves do not break in and steal. And so that's where we want to be heavenly minded. We want to be minded to God. I'm living. I'm not living for this life. I live in it and I'm functioning in it, but I'm really living for the next life. And my goals and my focus is aimed way beyond this little place right here. And we got to raise our kids with that same mentality because the teachers in the schools will get a hold of our kids and fill their minds with the American dream. The American dream is from the devil. It, it just, it's not the will of God. That's not, that's not God's plan for the people of God that we would spend our whole life trying to get stuff and things and have more than somebody else. Um, and again, some people in the midst of pursuing the will of God, he blesses them to have more. 
And I'm saying I'm not. So we're not knocking that. I, I have people that I know that are believers and God has blessed them. They got a lot in the will of God, but it's not their goal. They don't love it. Uh, and there's a difference. Uh, I've watched people that are wealthy. I know a man um, from my old church and he's a millionaire, but you wouldn't know it. If we look at what he drives, look at the clothes he wears. I'm like, that's how millionaires dress? Word, that's, he got them pants from Walmart. <laughs> them, them, them comfy shoes he got, those are regular Skechers. So a millionaire with Skechers in regular vehicles, there's nothing fly. You don't, you would, nobody would look at him and say, you wouldn't even look at him if you were a thief and say, I should rob him. You know, you would just look at him like, it just looks regular, you know? Um, and for him, his goal is he, 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 he spends a lot of his time looking into what God's doing in different places, a lot of missions, works and stuff like that. He's sending it up ahead. And I look at him as a, what an example of someone who God is blessed. Um, he had a business that was successful over years and, and, and he's blessed. But his mind is not that he doesn't love the stuff. He's, he's using it to help people. I went to a yard where he owns, uh, he has, owns a whole yard where people store their boats and trailers and RV stuff. And he took a guy that was from the church that has a mental disability and couldn't really find a job, but he could do this job. And he put him over the yard and built him a house there in the yard. And I thought, this is what he's doing with his wealth. He's figured out a way to somebody else that the world would just dump on. The world wouldn't even care about this guy. But that guy's a believer as well. And he said, hey, I got, got something for you. And that guy is on that yard, faithful. You couldn't have a more faithful guy on the yard. And I thought, man, this is, this is just right. This is, I bet this puts a smile on the face of God. It's what we do with what we have and what we're living for. Amen? Amen. So this guy has some stuff. His kids have some donkeys. They have some towns. And that's it. That's all the Holy Spirit has to say about his life. I'm saying that's, I, I want more. I would like more to be said. I'd like, I'd like there to be more to say than I have some stuff. And my kids have some stuff. And we died. <laughs> I just, just, just got to be more than that to accomplish in this life. So moving on now, look at verse six. Now we look at the cycle begin again. It says, then the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. And they served the Baals, the Asterisks, the God of Syria, the God of Sidon, the gods of Moab and the gods of the people of Ammon and the gods of the Philistines. And they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. That verse is saying a whole lot. So. They first of all, it says they they again did evil in the sight of the Lord. Then God expounds upon that. He starts naming the gods that they served and notice that they served the gods of other people. I have to point back for you guys that went to the book of Joshua with us. You guys remember that when God gave them the land, they went in that they didn't fully occupy the land. Right. They they went into areas and then they didn't put the enemy out like they were supposed to. These people that are left behind are here and it seems like everyone, every so often the Israelites, they, they bore of their life in God and they begin to look at the nations around them and how they worship. And they all worship different things. The, 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 the God Baal was a weather God. It was associated with financial success. And so they would worship Baal hoping that, you know, he would send rain and they would glorify him for the rain God sent. I want you to know that that bothers God. Right. If, if God is like, I send the rain, I send the sun to all that process that happens for an agricultural society to thrive. God's, I, I'm in charge of all that. But they're glorifying Baal and they're worshiping him and offering him sacrifices in order to do so. And so Asherah uh, was a god of fertility. And so a lot of times in the worship of Asherah, there was uh, there was open sexual sin. So there was, you know, imagine a form of worship of a God where you got to you, you got to go to the temple and put in your time having sex 
Oh, man, I got to I got to go worship. So imagine the people. So God's people would look at this and say, like, you know, you know, they would fall into these things. It's not much different from today where the people of God living among the people of the world. At times you hear believers looking at the people of the people of the world and and wanting what they have, desiring what they have, being enamored with the stuff that they have. Instead of looking at them, realizing how empty what they have is and how bad they need what you have. These people have gods that they carve with wood and they put eyes and put noses on them. When, you know, when the Lord spoke to the people in Jeremiah's time, so these people carved out gods and they put eyes in their gods faces, but they can't see. And they carved ears for them, but they can't hear hear. And they carved out a mouth on their gods, but their gods don't speak. How foolish. And you find this, that people become like what they worship. So you worship something perverse, you become perverse. You become just like what you worship. Interesting, too, when people create a God to worship, they always create it a little less than them. You can't create something greater than you. You create something less than yourself, and then you become like it. Rather than worshiping God, and when you worship the Lord, it's always taking you up beyond what you could ever be. God never leaves us where we are. People that worship the true and living God, God's always taking us up to a higher place. God takes us up to a higher place of living, a higher way of thinking. Everything about the worship of the true and living God takes us up higher. Every form of idol worship will take you down lower. You worship something less than what you are, less than what you were before you started worshiping, and it just takes you down further and further and further. And so the people of God fell into worshiping the gods of the nations around them. So the other thing that they fell into was kind of going with the, just going with what everybody else was doing. Everybody else is doing it. And that's a temptation for kids and adults. When you start looking around, it's like, everybody else, I'm going to just, man, I want to do what they're doing, you know? How do we overcome that? Because we know that we're to be in the world, but not of the world. So how do we, how do we over, how do we overcome when we live in a world and maybe you're looking at people and it looks like, it looks like they're having fun. Looks like things are going well. Looks like, it looks like it's going better for them than for me. I'm honoring God. I give and, and I'm serving and I'm at church and I'm struggling. I'm looking at my neighbors and they party every weekend, get loaded, cheat on their taxes and they got a new car and a, and they moving out, got a better place. You know, um, there's a Psalm. And if you, if you've ever felt that way, if you've ever look around at the world around you and begin to struggle and stumble in your heart. I want you to write down Psalm 73 and I'm going to read a couple portions of it to you right now. Psalm 73, I'm going to start at verse one. It says, truly God is good to Israel to such as are pure in heart. But the psalmist says, but as for me, this is a Psalm of Asaph, but as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked for there are no pains in their death but their strength is firm they are not in trouble as other men nor are they plagued as other men therefore pride serves as their necklace and violence covers them like a garment their eyes bulge with abundance they have more than heart could wish they scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression they speak loftily they set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walks through the earth. And I want you to skip down to verse um, verse 16. It says, when I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. And notice when everything turned around for the psalmist. He says, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I remembered their end. 
And he said, man, when I went into the sanctuary of the Lord, I remember therein. When I got back around the people of God, when I got back to the word of God, I got reminded of the reality that it's not going to end well for them. And it says, surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Buffington on a transforming word as he teaches through the book of Judges. This was an interesting season for the people of Israel, being led by various judges as they delivered the people from a variety of enemies. You see, real faith lived out through these judges. There was much war and opposition going on, but God was faithful in delivering his people. Do you notice God's deliverance in your everyday life? He's aware of all that's going on, and He cares about bringing you out of those times of oppression. There's much more to learn from the book of Judges, and we hope you come back to hear what God speaks to you personally. If you missed any messages from this series, we encourage you to visit calvaryinglewood.org to hear more in Judges. There's also a free mobile app where you can access all of our messages too. Just go to calvaryinglewood.org. While you're there, you'll notice links to Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Feel free to explore our website and find other valuable information. We offer a daily Bible reading plan that you can look into as well. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. If you have any other questions, Go ahead and call us at 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. Well, that's about all we have for today. We're so glad you took the time to listen to Pastor Bill today in the book of Judges. We'll catch you again as we look into a transforming word. Transforming Word.